Last week, we left off in the middle of Rav Hirsch on Bracha, which is a biggie. So I need to put a place marker here, since it's anyway in the wrong place. All right, so this, this was the, this is from yes, the, the Hirsch Haggadah. I need to bring it back with me. I put it near my no, no, I have a reading couple here. spot there so I can reread it. <laughs> It's worth it. Yeah, I, I have this in my Evernote, so that. it'll be in my phone. I don't always do No, no, it. this essay, I'm telling you, this essay is so profound to me. Like, it's been such a, a life-changing way of seeing the world. It's like a window you see the world through mm-hmm. in your mind. And I feel like this one, it, it does. I review it. There's little bits I know by heart. There's like... Yeah, and usually, I, like, like, I have a file for my stuff and this one I put in my reading spot yeah. so like by at least on Shabbos I know I'll read it yeah I, I'm I, I'm with you on this like this is yeah. how I feel about this piece in particular Refresh has a lot of things that are deep and and helpful but this one is the fundamental he says it's a fundamental but it is the fundamental it really is you think about the structure of the day as a structure of bracha because we start at brachos when we daven, we walk in right into the heichal, into the beis into kodesh hakodesh, and we walk back out, and we end up back at brachas. Like brachas is the that is like the piece that that is our touchstone with spirituality all day. Spirituality meaning not like something fuzzy and emotional, per se, but something that's like that there's meaning and depth, that connection between something physical and its source in heaven which is that definition of a bracha. It's something that connects something in the physical world with its source. And like the best. And right. So since that's the definition, then every time I do something, act on something, my whole day becomes a series of bracha. My actions are bracha as expressed through the brachas. It's just like an amazing thing. Okay. So, hello. We're just getting started. It's okay. (laughs) I just walked in. Okay, so we were, I'm just looking to see where we were up to. We, uh, I know, we were in the paragraph on page 50 that starts with, but what leads the Jew to God, I think. No, we weren't. We went further than that. Well, we, I remember us. We, we, were, we were just, yeah, we're here. those who say bless me. So we were on. It was that last paragraph. Yeah, but I think we were at the last paragraph. Yeah, uh, Each of these points, I could just start anywhere because I'm happy right. to read any it's piece fine. of it. Like, <laughs> I really, <laughs> we were in the middle, but, okay. You know, I, uh, let me go back up to the Jew in effect is saying. Okay. Okay. So he had, what he talked about was, and he's, what he's doing is learning out and teasing out, um, it's page 50. There's like oh. little pages as well. Um, he's teasing out what does the word Baruch itself mean, and therefore when I say it, what does it mean I am saying? And if that's what I'm saying, then that's what I hopefully am thinking. And that's where he's working from, is that the word will evoke the thought, but also, and the word also works the other way, is influencing my action, meaning because I'm thinking in a certain way. If I say it, it brings the thought to the forefront of my mind. Okay, that is the principle of why when the Torah gives us a commandment to remember something, Zachor, like Zachor is Yom HaShabbos Lakat Show, or Zachor is Asher HaSalacha Malik, the way you fulfill remembering is by speaking. That any mitzvah, where the mitzvah is to remember, you have to say it out loud. So how do we do Zachor is Yom HaShabbos Lakat Show? We say Kiddush. 
we have to actually like say or hear right and have and every word of the zechiras amalek because when you say the words that firmly puts the thought into the forefront of your awareness and consciousness it's in your brain anyway and if you think about it that's what remembering means remembering isn't learning remembering is something that is in your mind already and you are bringing it to the front of your mind mind so speaking something is the way that we do that now once it's in our minds that's by itself a powerful thing but Rav Hirsch is very consistent about always pushing us back to the action that it's yes there are things where the main you know you gotta you have to think it you have to feel it we don't look for our actions to be robotic what we're looking for is that our thoughts and our hearts will be inspired filled and that that will then impact action okay that's the concept with the bracha bracha gets you back to the level of the action also okay so the jew is not saying barech bless me like asking god to dispense blessing to him the jew is saying baruch be you blessed these are the words through which the jew relates to god The Jew, in effect, is saying, you have entrusted the fulfillment of your will, the granting of your wishes, the promotion of your kingdom, the implementation of your work to man's free will. The way God's will gets done on earth, we don't know why. It doesn't explain why. But that's how it is. That's how God created the world. You know, you just reminded me, my daughter just got this great internship. And here, like, you're so excited for this internship and we should th- be thinking about that every day that we got this great internship that's it so exciting. yeah like we should always be that excited <laughs> yes you know? that is a, yeah <laughs> it is like to be entrusted with a job of responsibility is exciting it's an exciting thing yes is it a, it's a responsibility and you're gonna have to get up on time you're gonna have to show up on time and you're gonna have to do all the different tasks that are involved with it, but like you wanted that right. like she didn't want to just be told oh you're free you have no job. She was hoping they would say, we'll hire you or right. we'll take you on. Like, and yeah. that's what you're, it seems like he's saying here a little bit. Yes, 100%. Right. 100%. And, and, and then he takes that even further, right? Okay. So, it is for this purpose that I am, that I exist. For this purpose, you have created me, a man and a Jew. For this purpose, you have granted me as a man the energy to act. And you have revealed to me as a Jew what you wish to see carried out by us on earth. Okay, that is like, what is the extra, the extra privilege of being a Jew? There's, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it in terms of the special closeness and the special love. But this aspect here is you've given us the Torah. We don't have to blindly go through life wondering what is our purpose in life and how could we fulfill it. Because God said, if you really want to know, I'll tell you. It doesn't have to be a secret. That's a huge, huge, huge gift. And you feel it the most is when you go through a phase in life where you feel like, gee, what should I do with myself? I don't know why I'm here. Am I worth anything? Anytime you go through that kind of phase where it's wondering, when you find that somebody has an answer for you, you realize what a gift that is. Every event, uh, okay. Every event in nature and history that you are letting me experience, all that you allow me, 
and whatever you deny me. Right, meaning the bracha. Remember he said the Jew already knows that his blessing has been granted. We're not really asking for much because whatever we have, that is the blessing. So everything in, in nature and history that you're letting me experience, all that you allow me and whatever you deny me, it is all there to remind me of my mission, to revive the strength and resolve within me to fulfill it. That's what it is. Everything that's going on in my life, in my world, every person is their own world, a whole world, it's all there to help turn us in the direction of where we are going to be able to fulfill God's mission. My God, it is my wish to discharge my duty. Be blessed in all that you give me and in all that you withhold from me. And the great power, serenity, and joy with which this idea to bless Hashem infuses the heart of every Jew is beyond compare, impossible to describe, which for a man of words like reverse is quite a statement. <laughs> so like, I can't tell you how good it is. Those who say, bless me, can they ever find the fulfillment of their prayer? Standing alone in impotent isolation, they seek to defy the hostile forest of nature and a destructive society and achieve their own aims and pleasures, even if these be for the good. What he's describing is a mindset. If you, uh, we've talked about this mindset, which Rav Hirsch has described in other places in terms of Ben Adam Lachavero in particular, like the contrast between Ahava and Taiva. The Taiva mindset is, I am in the center of my universe. There's my, my personal circle of space around me, circle of influence, and I seek to draw as much as I can into me. I'm a black hole sucking in what I can. Anything that has its own identity outside or its own ownership, to some extent then, is a rival to me, to getting what I want. Now, I may have no interest in what they have, in which case I'm not going to feel all upset about it, but ultimately they're competing for space in my universe. The Ahava mindset is, I am at the middle of my universe. And I am an opening through which bracha pours through from God into the universe. Why? I don't know. He created me with a cell in the Lokim. So there is a divine light inside of me that can shine out. And I seek to open the windows of my heart and my mind and my actions enough to let that pour out and reach and expand my circle to reach as many people as possible with that blessing. That's two different ways of thinking about yourself in the center of your universe, which you are. Okay. Um, and one is taiva and one is ahava, and they're related in that inverse kind of way. Um, I could tell you that once you build those images in your mind, it is possible to flip from one to the other. And that's just a good thing to know. Because I know I've had, I've had this conversation sometimes with, with people. I'm thinking, let's say, one case in particular where a person was very unhappy, and, and perhaps rightfully so, you know, whatever the marital issues. And, and being able to just stop and reset the brain from one mode to the other. It, the issue didn't change. Didn't change. 
but just seeing herself as not if your mode is what you're supposed to have or could have or want to have versus your mode is what you have to give you see your problems completely differently and I think that's really what we're first just saying the situation you have put me in Hashem is to help me give your blessing to the world that's what I'm here for okay so if a person is standing and davening and saying, bless me. Now, he's not saying don't ask Hashem for what you want. He's talking about a whole approach, which is associated with Avodah Zarah, right? The Chazal tell us, why do people do Avodah Zarah? In order to be matzir, whatever they want. Give themselves permission to do what they want. The other main reason for Avodah Zarah is because people feel helpless and impotent under the forces of nature, and they seek a supernatural force to give them what they need. Okay? It is the taiva mindset of prayer. This is Jews are above nature, so we are, should not feel ever buffeted by the forces of nature around us. We should feel that we are rocks, and that is swirling around us because that's what God sent us. So then we've got to figure out what we're meant to do for that situation. But it's not that it has control over us, because so there is no sense of impotence there. Okay, so when a person is feeling right, in impotent isolation, standing alone, seeking to defy the hostile forest of nature and, a, and destructive society. So they feel that everything around them is attacking them. The world is against them, right? Or achieving their own aims and pleasures. I want to have what will make me feel good, even if that's for the good and even well-intentioned. The person's not asking for something horrible or immoral or damaging to other people. We want something that maybe would be good. They expect that simply mouthing bless me will enable them to do all this, that they will then gain the courage and strength to pursue these aims. But will this prayer on their lips ensure that they attain what is denied to others who may be beseeching God at the same time for the opposite result? So what if they're hoping that they get the job? It could be there's another candidate who's also praying to get the job. And maybe they also are a good person who ought to get the job. Like, will this prayer make them succeed where thousands have failed? It's an interesting approach. However, to say may God be blessed through me means that one's work is no longer his own doing. If I say, Hashem, may your work be blessed, meaning may it increase and flourish through me. Whose work? God's work. Not my work. That's not like crazy. Like, is that Gaivadik to yeah, think that who like am I? Well, no. Yeah, also like, well, it's like a little bit flattering, right? A little bit like saying, "Oh, well, if I would bless, use me <laughs> to bless." I think the point is he's using all of us. Reverse in other places. This, it's uncomfortable, especially. I think somehow the American mindset holds us a little bit against like thinking, "Who do you think you are? Like, you're somebody special." It's a little bit of a Protestant mindset. Right? You shouldn't think you're anybody special. Okay? But you are somebody special. That's the thing. Now, that can become, when it is actually wholehearted, in appreciate, it could, that's humbling. Because I didn't make myself special. Uh-huh. Meaning the parts that I could be proud of of my hard work and whatever aren't that. The part of me that is actually special and unique and has something 
nuclear to provide to the world isn't something I created. (laughs) That light that's shining within me, I mean, I could maybe work to open the windows, but I I can't be proud of the light shining within me. I don't have an ownership of it. I didn't do it. Okay, so that's humbling if I see it that way. And my phone doing that now, okay. And I can begin to notice that other people have that light shining in them, which is an awesome thing about them. So that can become a foundation of Avas Yisrael in a much deeper way than we might have achieved it before. I just have to make a comparison and it's like, yeah. oh, like it's not the same. <laughs> you always have these great compar- I love them. I take have my like dog a separate book of Michelle. people always compliment my dog. And what am I supposed to say? I had nothing to do. Right, your dog is beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I say. I have nothing to do. It reminds you me didn't design the DNA. So like, what are you? <laughs> yeah. You just reminded me. Yeah, maybe that. if you were the breeder or something. <laughs> like, you know, so. No, but it, that is really the point. Like, right. If someone says, it's just like if someone says to you, like, oh, wow, you're so, I don't know, like something about you that you didn't create, right? It's, uh, and the thing is, there's a lot of things we don't create about ourselves. How smart are you? Even right. how rich you are. Or just things that come naturally right. easy to you that might not be easy to someone yeah. else. And you think, well, that's just what. Right. So it doesn't mean it's valueless. It could be it's deeply valuable. It's just not that you, you don't take the credit for it. Mm-hmm. But it's a powerful tool. I mean, you know, that's like, I don't know, it's not actually so crazy valuable, but like there's that huge display screen over there. And it costs however many hundreds of dollars. And I work at this school, so I like plug my computer in and we showed a video on it, I think, because I have to leave. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So someone would say, wow, that's a beautiful display screen. Well, I, do I feel flattered? No. <laughs> and be like, yeah, it's really nice. I don't know. Rabbi Goldberg picked a good screen. I don't know. Like, it's great. I use it. I could display on it. It could be functional. I could do a great job choosing what to put on there. But however nice it is, I don't take a personal pride in it. I take care of it. It's not mine. I better take, take good care of it. But like, did I, I didn't make it. I didn't order it. I didn't pay for it. I didn't install it. There it is. There to use. Okay. That's the same thing as my brain and my body. There's like a lot of tools that I've been given that are even more valuable than that, that I've been given to use. I better use them. Sort of stupid to have it wasted, but but I don't take credit for it. Okay. However, to say may God be blessed through me means that one's work is no longer his own doing. At the same time, one is not trying to gain his own ends. Okay, so if if it's Hashem's work that I'm concerned for, then it's not about me getting something I wanted. I'm just thinking in terms of what does Hashem want here? What would be the greatest glorification of his name? Because everything he created in the world, that was the end of Avos, right? Everything God created in this world was for his own glory. So then whatever is going on over here, I hope will be a glorification of God's name. That his name will be mentioned, that he will be noticed and credited. How do I make that happen? That's not my ends. That's not for my benefit. His status may be ever so humble. His beginnings may well be ridiculed by others. But he has been assigned to his post by God, the master of heaven and earth, the king of the universe. So here's another outcome of that way of thinking. It's not about ego. 
And it doesn't matter if I'm the janitor or the CEO and what you think of that. Because that's not something I did. I didn't decide to be poor or rich. I didn't decide to be brilliant or dull. I, did, I didn't decide to be short or tall. I was put into that job, the job being defined by the parameters of my spiritual nature, my physical nature, and the circumstances of my environment. All of that is what I was assigned to. My soul lined up, said, your turn to go to heaven, okay, private Saramalia, here's where we're sending you on this mission. I didn't choose it, so I'm not ashamed of it, I'm not proud of it. And I don't expect, and if other people have feelings about that, that they want to flatter me because they think I'm important, or they want to shame me because I think I'm unimportant, that's about them. But what are they, what are they flattering or shaming? God's choice? It's funny, I had that similar conversation with one of my children about that very thing that they were going through. And in terms of when other people say things to you and being sensitive, but being sensitive to other people's feelings, not to your own, and how do you respond? It's a hard one. And how do you reflect it and how do you deflect it? It's very hard for it's both. A, it's a hard one. I feel like, I mean, his writing is difficult, but really those passages like on Ahava and Taiva and Ava Sisral and... Mm-hmm and love of God, like, the, the, he was, he's talking to young people in general. Rav Hirsch, in a lot of his places, like in Horev, a lot of the passages, he'll say, young people of Israel, Jewish sons, Jewish daughters. Like, he, he was writing for, he was writing for the young people. I really think his target, in his head, his target audience was probably 15 well, to 25 or so something. wrapped up in themselves in that age that they can't really see outside right. themselves. And for you to say to them, well, if somebody's impatient with you, it says more about them than about you. They can't understand it because they don't right. have that. But I'm saying he's writing for young people. That's their challenge. Right. But I think he was writing for young people not because of their limitations. I think he saw the youth right. as Central. having the power. Mm-hmm. When you're young, you have strength and you have a lot of emotional energy. And you can accomplish tremendous things. Mm-hmm. Or at least you can set yourself on the path that leads you later to accomplish tremendous things. I think, you know, nowadays young people are very, very hamstrung. There's a lot they can't do. It's not safe to go there. It's not there. And, and, and you know, there's a lot they just are not permitted or allowed or have time to accomplish. And, and I think Rav Hirsch was like... You read something and you realize like he's talking to young people and he's saying you are a world and you can change the world and you should be out there. He says over and over again, God can revive the Jewish people through the heart of one person that's on fire. Like, that's all he needs. So, you, and you just want to be it. <laughs> you know, you read that and you're like, okay, I want, I want in. I want to be the one. Like, I wish there was a way to bring this to you. I have an idea about that, but that's a different thing. I think we should like make videos, one paragraph videos of Rehearsh, just his words, not explaining anything. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it's like the, the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. But it's hard for kids to read it. Mm-hmm. It's old fashioned language, it's long sentences, it's a large vocabulary. But if someone reads it to you, mm-hmm. then it's much clearer. I mean, I, a lot of times if it's a new passage, I read it out loud to myself because 
it's that. You have to hear it, you know. When you were a kid, did you watch the George Burns movie, Oh God? Did you? You didn't? I was really little. My goodness. I remember advertisements. Because I, I saw it. I was like, I was really little, too. We were the same age. Yeah. So she, there's this one, this one, one of those films, I don't remember which, there's like a few of them. It was this little girl, and she, God gave her, God, George Burns gave her the job of, of t- reminding people that he exists. So she had this, she was a young girl. <laughs> Thank God. And that was the, the slogan. You just remind Carries her. Carries a sign around. So I suppose that's sort of the job. <laughs> Thank God. Okay. So that's her job. We shouldn't make fun of her. She, she was assigned that pose. Okay. God knows a man's strength. Okay. So now each one of these, he's ratcheting up the implications that come out from realizing that if I'm saying, Baruch Ato Hashem, and that means that God should be blessed through me, through me and my actions and my words and my deeds and my influence. Then, right, I'm not seeking, I'm not thinking that this is me who's accomplishing it. I'm just seeking to be the channel of it. I'm not seeking to gain my own ends. I'm concerned about covered Shemayim. It's not about shame or pride in the job that I've been set to because that wasn't my choice. I'm just sent here on mission. It's my assignment. And furthermore, God knows a man's strength. So I do not need to worry myself. I don't know if I'm able to manage this. I don't know if I have the koa. Every mother has wondered, do I have the strength to do this? God knows a man's strength. He knows what I could handle when he chose me for the job. But furthermore, God's spirit animates him. Who, whose job is this? Whose energy is this? If I feel that maybe I don't have the energy, I wouldn't worry about it. Like, do I, do I worry if I have to go take, like, the company credit card and buy something? Do I wonder if there's been a deposit? Right. It's somebody else's problem. It, it's God's problem to figure out when to fill my tank or what energy to give me or what other support to give me. And he has placed him, this is one of my favorite sentences ever, he has placed him within the particular context of his occupation so that he may perform his will there and then. So it's not about, can I hold out for a year doing this job? It's not, whatever energy I have will be sufficient for the task I need to do. If more is required, then God will send it. I'm just not gonna think, I don't have to worry about that. And I only need to worry about right now. What is God's will now? What does he want of me right here, right now? So I had to remind myself of this this morning because I didn't have someone to watch the baby in that usual half hour where I leave her till my daughter-in-law comes. I didn't have someone to watch her. And so I'm like, I'm not gonna be at Sheer on time. I walked in at like 8.15 exactly. I was like, oh, no, you know, what's going to happen? And I thought, well, I guess I still need to be here. Uh, It must be that I I need to be here, in which case there's something 
I should be doing here. That was actually the thought that went through my mind. This doesn't always happen. Sometimes you're just, ah, I'm late. But it happens to be this morning. That's what I was thinking about. So I thought, okay, well, it gives me a good chance to say brachos, like, calmly. Because I'm not running anywhere until the front door opens. So I did that. And then the baby seemed like a little antsy. So we put on music. And then this great Enod Milvado song came on. And then we were all dancing around the kitchen singing Enod Milvado. It was like four, me and three kids. And I was like, this is such an awesome, what an awesome moment. And I would have missed the whole thing if I'd left on time. I just would have missed the whole thing. Now, I don't know if that's like what I was meant to be doing or not. Maybe there was some other piece of my being there that was like really critical. And I don't even know about it because that happens in life. Sometimes you do like some important thing you're meant to do and you don't even know, right? But just the remembering it, like just the realizing that like, well, I thought I was supposed to be somewhere else, but here I am because it's certainly not the right thing to do to just walk out and leave a one-year-old. <laughs> okay, that's like pretty clear. That's like one, you know, sometimes your choices in life are not quite so obvious, but like that's like a really obvious one. So I need to be here. So I have been placed in the context of my occupation to perform God's will here and now. And like, what's going to happen in 45 minutes? I'll have to worry about that in 45 minutes or possibly in 42 minutes or something, but like not now, because right now it's clear what I need to be doing for the moment. Man is his worker and consequently he has got at his side always. Who's, I don't wonder if God is on my team, if I'm on his team. Okay. I, it's not a very classy example, but as a, it's a halachic example, and that's why I use it. On Shabbos, there's a, there's a halacha of dash, and that leads to, there's a sub-toloda of borer, selecting, right? So selecting has become famous because it's sort of like the little-known halacha. So like when you're first learning about Shabbos, it's not the first one that comes to your attention. There's like always that milestone when you discover that there's halachas of borer. Okay, borer is selecting. So if there's food, and let's say you have, I don't know, blueberries and peanuts in a bowl, and you want to eat the blueberries. So you're not supposed to pull out all the peanuts and get rid of them, because that's taking the bad from the good. There's rule for how you're allowed to select. So the rule is biyad, with your hand, miyad, for immediate consumption, not for like later that afternoon, and ochomipsolas. You take the desired, like the blueberries, from the non-desired, the peanuts, not the other way around. Okay. So biyad means you have to do it with your hand. Okay. For blueberries, that might make sense. But let's say, like, you're going to serve them to a lot of, like, to a group, and you didn't want to touch all of them. You could use a spoon. A spoon is still called doing it with your hand because the spoon functions as an extension of your hand. Is the spoon doing the job? The spoon is not doing the job. By the way, if the spoon were doing the job, like a slotted spoon, if you were separating it from water or juice or something, then it's not allowed because it's got to be by your hand. But when the spoon is functioning as an extension of your hand, whose energy is doing this job? Whose energy is pulling out the blueberries? Mine. Who, whose will is pulling out the blueberries? Mine. The spoon is an extension of my hand. Does that value to me? Yeah. But it's me doing it. If I see myself as the tool of God's will being performed on earth, I'm the spoon. I know that's not like inspiring sounding, but I'm the spoon. 
If I'm the spoon, whose energy is doing the job? His. Whose will is doing the job? His. So man is his worker, and consequently he has God at his side always. It's and funny that you use the analogy spoon. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> my daughter just finished her term paper. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know. Yeah, Rita turned hers in today. Uh, first thing's class, and the Pusuk is that a, a lazy person will sit in front of a bowl of food, but they're too lazy to pick up the spoon and put the food in their mouth. So interesting. So when you mentioned spoon. That's really interesting. That just she didn't it. include that interpretation in her paper, so I didn't know that. Oh. That's really interesting. That was one of the Pusukim that she had. So interesting. Uh, takes energy and will to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. Okay. Let me make me feel better about my spoon analogy. I choose it because it's a halachic analogy. Like that, exactly. the halacha is saying that that is an extension of your hand. So, because that's the reality. Halacha will always describe the reality. Okay. He fights the struggle against nature and society for him. Meaning, am I worried I won't be able to do this job because I will have to fight against nature and society? They're all against me. Not really. Because whose job is this again? Hashem's. Who's the one who wants to get it done? Hashem. Whose energy is required to get it done? Hashem's. So he, he knows how to take care of those things. He could do that. God is man's shield and protector. I don't have fear if I'm doing God's will. Because wants the job done before him see if I am worried if it's my about me and my own power I have a lot to be afraid of because I'm very finite and weak and even a Balgaiva eventually is forced to face up to the limits of his capacity but if it's not about me and my power and my strength and it's Hashem's, well, he is infinitely strong, infinitely powerful. So my problems disappear. Again, he's not saying everything is always easy or sweet, right? There's all that you've granted me and all that you've denied me. But it's all calm. It's all under control, and it's all okay. And as long as we are furthering the cause of God's name in the world, then it's good. And we're good, and life is good, and we're in a good place in our mind. Before him, meaning God, not man, will the entire hostile world retreat. So you're not going to chase away all the, what do you call it, the hostile forest of nature and destructive society with your own strength, but before God, yes. Renounce your will for the sake of his will, right? So that he will nullify the will of others before your will. In other words, if my will is only God's will, then Hashem will make other people bend to my will. Because it's not my will, it's his will. <laughs> so yeah. May your work be implemented through me. This is the Jewish call to arms in the ceaseless struggle of life. May God be blessed through me means that one has reached the goal of his desire, 
I'm not, I don't have a lot I'm looking for or desire because I'm already at it. My desire is to do his will. And in any given moment, there's will for me to fulfill. So I'm there already at the moment and remains there at every moment. Every moment, provided one has done his share in fulfilling of his will, provided that he has made use of it with all the strength granted him in the service of his master, every such moment then represents the summit of man's aspirations. Whether one has much or little is immaterial. That does not determine the measure of his blessing, nor even whether his exertions have been successful. For success too is God's, not his. So am I a successful person? You can't tell by how much I have or how little I have. You can't even tell by how much I've tried to accomplish and been successful with or not. Success and material success are not the indications of actual success because success too is God's, not his. As long as one can say to himself that he has dedicated himself with all his might to fulfilling his will, that's a hard statement to live up to. If to do so is his only and exclusive wish, then surely, even when God gathers you to him in the last moment of your life, he will leave you fulfilled and serenely contented in the knowledge that you have lived, not in order to receive blessing, but to give blessing. In this is found the only peace and the only happiness one can hope to obtain. When the Almighty implanted the first Jew among mankind, he, I love that, that, just that image, he planted him, like he uprooted him from everything that is generally considered a source of blessing. Right? He said, leave your family. Leave it to me to bless you. And you, for your part, become a blessing. That's the bracha to Avram. By this single expression, he isolated Avram from amongst the rest of mankind who sought blessing and made him into a source of blessing. We're his children. We're the descendants of Avram. So our life... Yeah, yeah. Our, that's, that's a continuation. That would be a fun shear to do someday, is tracing how the bracha goes hand to hand from Adam to Noah, to shame, to Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe. That bracha goes hand to hand. Each one picks up and gives blessing to Klal Yisrael, picking up with the last words of the one before. It's like a really fascinating chain. Okay. God showed Avram, by this single expression, God showed Avram his mission for the rest of his life and the heritage he was to bequeath to his children and the generations after them. That's what we've received. You want to know what it means to be a child of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov and to be a Jew? It means that you were uprooted from the rest of human society and you were replanted so that instead of being a person who seeks blessing, you're a person who gives blessing. Veheye bracha. Veheye bracha means be a bracha. That's what God said. Go forth and be a bride. Makes everything sound so kind of easy. <laughs> I don't think this sounds. You walked out. You missed the hard part. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I just mean like this is what you do, and you know. You missed the part about dedicating himself with all his might to fulfilling his will, if to do so is his only and exclusive wish. But yeah, because what it means is it's easy and it's hard. It's hard. 
because how do you stay on task every moment? That's because <laughs> we're human and our brains are. Just That's right. Over. We all so are. we're so. What did Chazal do? On and off, well, regular times in the day, mm-hmm. morning and night, and all throughout the day, we stop and we say a bracha and we tune ourselves back into what we're doing before we eat, before we do something, after we go to the bathroom. We're constantly like, oh right, the thing I'm doing is on task, is to be a bracha, to bring bracha to the world, to channel bracha to the world. Right? That's what I'm here for. That's what we're, because our minds wander. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's a, this is the life's work. The life's work is to strive toward every single moment being at attention. I'm here. I, here I am. You're calling my name, and here I am. I'm ready. I'm ready for the task. Whatever it is, I am, I am poised and ready. That's the Zerizus. I'm poised and ready to take the action, right? Zerizus is not in the feet. Zerizus is in the mind. It means I am ready and poised to do whatever is required or desired of me in order to fulfill God's will. What can I do here to bring out God's name? That's what but, but to hold that forward, that is on the one hand much easier. Why? We stop worrying about everything else. <sighs> so much of our energy goes to there. The, just the worrying about it, the worrying about being successful, not successful, like, not like, like, there's so many pieces of that. Really the focus is, what am I supposed to be doing right now? But it's not so easy to always stay on target in the moment, what am I supposed to be doing right now? That's not easy. And there is a big picture also. Like, we, we occasionally move up toward into Pesuke de Zimra, or we move into Shema, or we move into, into Shmon Esrei. In Shmon Esrei, you're not standing and saying, what am I supposed to be doing right now? I mean, when you do get to that point, that means you've lost Kavan, and you're like, whoa, what am I supposed to be doing? Right, I'm davening, let me get back. Okay, like it's not, that's not the thought that's over there. But in your life, outside of there, yeah, that's exactly... Right? You don't spend all day in a, in a mission-building retreat. or not, You do all day, all, your whole life. You don't spend your whole life contemplating your mission in life. You do that for a day or two, and then you, or a month or two, or whatever it takes, right? And then you're supposed to implement. The implementation is the daily life, and that's what this, this is about daily life. This is about the implementation. So, that's, I'm going to wind up here. And I want, and we'll take it down to a few other things, but that will be for uh, next week. Is no, we're back after Shavuos on Tuesday. Okay. Um, just to wrap around to the beginning. Remember, he came to this by proving that the side, because there's two ways of explaining the word Baruch. One is that Hashem is the source of all bracha, and of course, these don't contradict even within this explanation. Um, which I meant to bring in the Maharal and forgot to bring it in, where the Maharal cites that example, that uh, translation, uh, and rehearsed. You notice he sort of argues against it pretty explicitly. I think he's responding to the Maharal. He does that. There's places where, like, if you happen to see the Ramban, you'll see that he's answering the Ramban directly and addressing the Ramban. Uh, he may be addressing the Maharal here because a lot of his approach to things in general is according to the Maharal. So now that he's going off a different way, he may want to address him on it. 
but he he shows that he can't go that way because nishmas and there's other examples like that there's many of them the person blesses your name Hashem the neshama blesses your name we're talking about here about baruch shem kvod malchus va'ed the the blessing of the name of his malchus that's our role that's the role of everything in creation koma koma um and we whisper it because it's imperfect we're imperfect but the way that we did it was in saying shema yisrael hashem hashem that is the declaration of his name and that it's all from him and then we can respond and say wow like his his name was blessed in the fact that i said shema and may it be blessed in the fact that i said shema and from there we'll move to Vahafta. so i'm gonna fit i want to finish a few we have like just a few last pieces so that'll be for next time in Hashem after shavuos and then we'll move to Vahafta. Well, uh, okay. Yeah. This is really my. Okay. So, thank you. Oh, we were gonna enter just from through um UBS. It's a bank, and she's in there like computer science, data, data warehousing. Such a good opportunity because she's getting it's a big company. You're gonna see how big her